Coming Back is a listener-supported podcast. To support the show and receive weekly grief guidance from me, monthly group grief support calls, and the first look at upcoming books, online courses, and other projects, become a patron now at patreon.com slash shelbyforsythia. Just $3 a month gets you access to everything there is to see on Patreon, plus connection to a beautiful group of grievers just like you. Unlock grief support now for $3 a month and support this show at patreon.com slash shelbyforsythia. Thank you so much for listening. What if you could improve your relationship to grief a little bit every day? If you're looking for comforting words and practical exercises condensed into one small paragraph each day, check out my new book, Your Grief, Your Way. It's a non-religious daily devotional that helps you get in touch with your heart and your grief for a full 366 days. Find your grief your way now on Amazon, Audible, IndieBound, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere else you buy books. And stay tuned to the end of this episode for a special excerpt from Your Grief, Your Way. Hi there, and welcome to Coming Back, a podcast about coming back to life after death, divorce, diagnosis, and more. Today, I'm speaking with Manabat Songvi, the founder of Treasure Texts, a beautiful little company that helps you deliver unspoken gratitudes to the people you love while you're both still here on earth to receive them. We'll touch on the grief story that sparked the development of Treasure Texts, why it's so important to distinguish between how are you and how are you feeling, and the Hindu ritual that gave Mana peace and comfort after her father's death. I'm Shelby Forsythia, an intuitive grief guide and author who speaks, writes, and teaches powerful truths on grief and loss. My mom's death in 2013 set me on the path to becoming a lifelong student of grief, and I use what I learned to create a world where grief is welcomed, normalized, and even embraced. Because even through grief, we are growing. Let's get started. Hi there, grief growers. Oh my goodness, what a week it has been because my new book, Your Grief, Your Way, is at last here in the world. Thank you so, so much to all of you who have sent pictures of yourselves and your pets with the book and written reviews of it on Amazon and Goodreads. Um, This is such an overwhelming and incredible uh, opportunity and gift and blessing to have in the world to be able to write words about grief and to have them published and then to have them received by all of you. And so I am just uh, in this moment taking a breath and reveling and resting in the fact that this is all very, very real. And at last, all of this build up after all of the writing and all of the uh, some of the solo angst that comes from producing a written work in the world. It is here at last. Uh, I want to kick off today's show by reading one of my favorite reviews that's been submitted so far on Amazon. And this comes from a user named Splendor. They say, clearly written by one who understands what a grieving person needs. And the copy says, your grief your way is a perfect book for grievers. The daily entries are a bite-sized way to handle grief that does not overwhelm the griever. Your Grief Your Way gives inspiration, education, and practical ideas as a grieving person walks through the pain of loss. The author's ability to create pictures with words makes the book something I look forward to reading each day in the midst of my grief. This book has given me hope, 
helped me to feel less isolated, made me realize that I am not alone, and that I do not need to be fixed. I am simply a grieving person. Your Grief Your Way is a book that I will read over and over again. It is also a book that I will have on hand to give to any family member or friend who experiences loss. So thank you so much to uh, this Amazon user named Splendor. I'm not sure who you are, but please know my gratitude is, is sending so far your way because this is exactly what your grief your way sets out to do. It's, it's teeny tiny little daily tidbits and, and this constant message of there's nothing wrong with you. There's ways to cope and you're going to make it out of this alive and you are not alone. And in writing your grief your way, I wrote it for the girl that I was when I was 21 and my mother died and I wanted something like this in my life. And as I was writing it for her, I kind of called her into the room with me. Um, and this is a little woo-woo, but I also called in you, grief growers, to say, what do you need to hear right now? What do you need somebody to tell you? What do you need to be reminded of? What do you need reframing about? What do you need to release? And all of that, I'm getting chills right now, even as I say it, but all of that information and all of that um, messaging that came to me as I was sitting with both my grieving self and all of you, the energy of you as listeners and supporters of my work in this podcast that came to me, your grief, your way is the culmination of that. And so I am just really grateful that this book is out in the world. And I'll be honest with you, it is one of many. There are there are more grief books inside of me that are ready and waiting in the wings to be written. And I am so grateful always that you are along with me on this ride and on this journey and that this is somehow helping you wherever you are in your grief. I don't set out to improve you. I don't set out to fix you wherever you are in the, your grief. Those are harsh energies. Those are harsh um I get the word compression pops up into my space whenever I think of those kinds of energies. Um, I write to free the person that I was when my mother died. I think she needed releasing from a trap of what she thought grief was or a picture of what she thought life with grief was going to look like. And if my work frees you in your grief as well, oh my goodness, what a gift. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you all so much for being here and, and for purchasing your grief your way, for sharing it with friends. I know I've seen a couple of reviews already where people are like, I'm stocking up, the holidays are coming. Um, and people love a daily devotional as a grief gift in their stocking, but also we also don't know what losses are heading our way in 2021. So it's something, I mean, even I have a couple of copies on my shelf for when I run into people in public spaces or even neighbors or friends. And, and I can just say, here's a book flip open any page, hopefully will be supportive and honoring to wherever you are in your grief and loss. Yeah. And thank you to grief growers for waiting for this episode for a little bit. I think I needed one more day this week to, to decompress and to, to celebrate what the book publishing experience is like too. And so for this to be the week of the book launch, I was like, I need one more day. <laughs> I need to go to bed a little bit early the night before so I can get up and, and produce this episode of coming back for you. I'm doing a lot more than I normally do within the course of a week. And I'm, I'm perpetually glad to be on this road of grief with you. I'll let you know too, grief growers, before we get to the interview today, that there are two more three more actually workshops on grief that you can be a part of. One is actually happening tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific time. This one is called um, Navigating Anxiety in Grief or Calming 
anxiety and grief. So if anxiety is a part of your loss, I hope you'll join us for this 90 minute Zoom workshop. Tomorrow I'm teaching a workshop called Navigating Changing Friendships. And this is such a common topic in the aftermath of loss of what do I do? Because my friendships and my relationships and my kind of partnerships with my coworkers have definitely changed since the death of my person or since my divorce or since my diagnosis, people treat me differently and I don't know how to respond to them. Or I wish they would say these things, or I wish I could set these boundaries with them. So if you're struggling to navigate friendships and grief, I hope you'll join us tomorrow, October 2nd for that workshop as well. And then the next one that I have scheduled is called Navigating Anticipatory Grief. And this one's happening in November. And actually here, for those of you who are like me in the United States, this is the day before uh, our national presidential election, which in and of itself prompts its own kind of anticipatory grief. So if you struggle to anticipate a loss before the loss actually arrives, and this is a story for a lot of people who have loved ones with a terminal illness or a diagnosis that they know is going to be drawn out for a long time before a death actually happens, this is a workshop that you might resonate with. And we're going to get to this um, in our conversation today, my conversation with Manabat Sangvi. Um, so I'm really excited to bring all of these to you and perpetually grief growers, if you have an idea for a workshop, I would love to hear from you. Shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. And if you'd like to register for one of these workshops, if you'd like to see any of the other events that I'm doing, there are a lot. I'm interviewing with people live on the radio. I'm doing Facebook lives, YouTube lives, all kinds of things for free uh, to support the release of Your Grief Your Way. You can find all of those at shelbyforsythia.com slash events. Or if you'd like to be one of the first people to know when new events get listed or posted, you can sign up for my email list, which you can also do at shelbyforsythia.com. And when you do, you'll receive the first chapter of my book, Permission to Grieve, absolutely free. And now my conversation with Mana Bat Sangvi. Grief Growers, I'm really excited to be sitting down with Mana Bat Sangvi, who has created Treasure Text, which is a service that helps you celebrate, uplift, and support the people that you love in your life through text messages that have fun trivia questions and other things that you can answer so you can really say what's on your mind and in your heart to people while they're still here with us on the earth. So Mana, welcome to coming back. And if you could start us off with your law story, because I understand that is at the root of the founding of Treasure Texts. Oh, thank you so much, Shelby. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to connect with you and and share the story. It's 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 a it's a huge part of my life, and um, it started with my dad, who um, was my very best friend um, for my entire life, particularly through my childhood into my teen years and into college. And um, in about 2011, he was misdiagnosed with Parkinson's. Um, which I remember, you know, Parkinson's is, it's an awful disease, but, but one where there's been a lot of, um, advancement or rather, um, I I'd say like learning on, on how, how to potentially manage that. And I remember being really shaken up with that news. And then soon after we realized it actually wasn't Parkinson's, um, and the medication for Parkinson's wasn't actually, um, helping him in any way because he, had a disease called PSP, which is progressive supranuclear palsy. And that is a rare disease. It's a neurodegenerative disease. Um, and I think the easiest way to probably describe it to people is 
its early stage symptoms are more similar to Parkinson's and late stage symptoms are more similar to ALS. Um, and all of it is quite progressive, hence the name of the disease, and can last usually up to five to seven years from diagnosis to death. And so um, that, that I think is, is in the start to the story, I suppose, in the sense of my grief journey, because we spent, I think, about five to six years alongside my dad going through all the phases of that progression. Um, and all the while, the timing was interesting in my life. I'm the youngest of three daughters that my parents had. And I, um, my eldest daughter was born in 2012, right around the time uh, that he was diagnosed, but just a little after that. And um, every step of, of his journey was I was raising my little ones and um, holding my mom's hand and being there for my dad any way I could while we were at points in different countries. Um, I, when we were in, both in the U.S., I lived in a different city, um, different life stages. My husband and I in a new city where we, had, we were you know, juggling two careers. I mean, I, I feel like it, those, those years were, were kind of quite a blur. But the irony is I think about grief as that journey, his sickness. And then when I think about when he actually passed away, that was in 2016. And um, it was a different type of grief. And that grief was more permanent, I guess, in some ways. Um, and I, that, that kind of took me down a different path for that year. And here I am, you know, four or five years later, and I'm just launching my latest entrepreneurial venture, which is um, focused on a lot of the inspiration that he brought me in his life and, and even how I look at my life now. And the irony is I think that grief and that journey, both sides of what I just kind of walked you through, are my, my fuel to uh, tackle and conquer, I suppose, um, these next chapters of my life with 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 true purpose. So it's been a really powerful experience and one that I've I've learned to embrace. Um, and I, I've heard your other a lot of your other episodes, and I love how you kind of close out each intro with um, embracing grief. And so I think I think it's a it's very appropriate for us to connect, and I'm excited too. Well, and I love this distinction that you made also between the grief of watching him decline and then the grief of him dying. It's like there's a a temporary or um like a less felt kind of grief or like a it's slippery. And then there's the grief of him actually dying, which you use the word permanent, which to me sits like a very hard stone in the center of the body is like, holy cow, this is over, over. And there's a uh -huh. finality to it. And I love that you distinguish between the two because I think a lot of people listening have this experience of, I watched my loved one decline, and that was one kind of grief. And then they died, which was another kind of grief. And it's almost like you're dealing with two different beasts, especially when you watch somebody um, slowly die or become differently abled or um, kind of lose who they are or who you knew them as over the course of a long time. And so I just want to thank you for bringing light to the fact that there are these two very different kinds of griefs. Yes, of course. And I understand that Treasure Texts came out of a desire to increase or change the kind of communications that you had with your dad while he was alive, but then also with your mom after your dad's death. 
Yes, I mean, I'd say the inspiration was um, was tied to the the journey that I went on. Um, I if there were silver linings, and there always are, even in your hardest times. Um, one of the silver linings of this painful, let's call it grief journey, part one, um, when he was alive and declining, was I. As we learned more about the disease, we knew that time was finite. We knew that mortality was a reality, you know, in, in a more in a more real way, I'd say, versus a surreal way. And um, I took it upon myself to literally share anything and everything that I possibly could. Um, when he was, you know, at all stages of, of his journey. And in the end, I kind of, I like put gas on the pedal and just literally would just tell him everything and anything I could knowing that there would be a point at which, you know, his, um, at least his mortal ears would hear. I should say I, I'm Hindu um, by religion. And so we believe in reincarnation. So that's a, another, I guess, another facet to this where I have a ton of spiritual beliefs on, on continuing to connect with him um, but, but at least in the sense of sharing everything in, in real life in the way that we know it, um, that was really important to me. And then to, to kind of, to address the, the engagement with my mom after the fact, I think that that took its own turn of how, getting innovative and creative and figuring out how do you support your other parent who has now gone through an even more arduous journey with watching her spouse of, you know, so many years decline and, and then to having to say goodbye and then reconnecting with her three daughters in a new way and, and rebuilding those relationships and figuring out how to, where and how to lean and for us, how, where and how to support in a way that would be meaningful for her. And I'd say a piece to that is, well, going through that with one parent, you realize again that life is my lens is very different from before my dad got sick. And so you start to think about life differently. And I, I tend to live much more, um, I, even, I don't know if on the edges, right, but much more like purposefully and, and intentionally. And so with my mom, I, I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can now while knock on wood, she's still healthy and that I am able to continue to be there for her. and celebrate her life when we both can. Yeah. And I hear this a lot from grieving people that somebody I love getting sick or dying brings to light this, this living on the edge, this living with some kind of purpose or mortality awareness, knowing that it's impending for all of us, not in some surreal way, but in a very real and tangible experience, it changes how you live your life. And it sounds like for you, the result of that was, okay, how do I share more of my love in a way that people can feel it while I'm still here? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think part of it is um, as a society, I don't know that we naturally tend to go into the depths of how we feel or what we think or, or our <laughs> truth. You know, it's not like, hey, You're very correct. <laughs> um, and so I think, What's interesting to me is when I first went on the treasure text journey, I thought that, and I'm going to use some business jargon here because it's kind of how I think and a, a lot that speaks to my background, but I thought that the value proposition was um, essentially connecting with your loved ones in a almost convenient way because it takes three to five minutes to share these deep thoughts 
with the prompts that you receive. And then your loved one receives this like abundance of love, appreciation, gratitude, whatever it may be for the course of a week or a month. Um, and so in my mind, I was like, well, it's, it's, it came out of a life was so hard when, or hard in the sense of it, there was so much to juggle when I was going through all these phases um, in the last, you know, five, 10 years that, that I was, I, I looked at this as a way to make it a little bit easier to do a lot and, and everybody wins kind of thing. But the irony is that's not actually what I'm realizing from my early customers, what the, what they see the value to be. And for them, it's actually unprompted or as my husband likes to identify it, unspoken gratitude and essentially the words that you may not otherwise ever say and not necessarily knowing how to or what to and all of a sudden having a little bit of a helping hand in getting to those deeper conversations that get you to a deeper relationship that ultimately get you to a more fulfilling um, dynamic with the ones you love as well as life for all of you. Yeah. And this gives me chills to think about because I'm, I'm placed back into an experience that I had in 2016 when I was being trained as a grief recovery specialist. And we learned about this concept called significant emotional statements, SESs. And this is something that's coined by the grief recovery method. I have no proprietary claim over this whatsoever. Um, But it's essentially like, here's all of the communications in life that never got delivered. And they were mostly centered around some kind of gratitude. Like, when did I fail to say thank you when I could have or should have or needed to, or that I never even thought to say that I'm reflecting back on now. And I'm like, wow, I really um, could have reached out with more gratitude. And so being able to deliver these messages while somebody you love is still alive is really powerful because when they do die, it's like, ah, this relationship in some ways has been made complete because I've said what I really wanted to say to them, what was really in my heart. And so I love that there are these prompts of, um, of in what ways are you grateful or what's the number one thing that you've taught me in my life, or I never would have learned this if it weren't for you or kind of these really lovely um, triggers that you get to think deeply about somebody that you love. And then to complete all of that in three to five minutes, which I'm, I love this because I think we all live, even in the midst of a global pandemic, we live in a very busy world where it's like, how are you allotting your time? But for gratitude to spill out towards somebody you love over the course of a week or over a month, like, wow, that's really powerful. And how do they ever forget that kind of interaction with you? It's it's so true. And I think even to build on what your what your training was and the spirit of gratitude, it's there's an element to it all of um, living your life with no regrets. And I think some of it is it's the gratitude you're sharing with somebody else. But as a result, it's you know, it ultimately comes back to your own sense of I said what I needed to and I didn't leave anything unsaid. And therefore, I'm for sure living my life with no regrets. And I think that's the other part to this, and at least to my story, is I, I'm the daughter of an entrepreneur. And you, like, by sheer nature of the definition of entrepreneurship, you are constantly taking risks and you're constantly, you know, placing bets. And most of the successful ones have failed a gazillion times before they ever saw the light of any, you know, spark to some true success. And I think that spirit of living your life with no regrets has, for me, been marrying both the journey that the irony is the it's it's marrying the journey that I went on with my dad, and the legacy that 
I inherited from him and that I now have purposefully intertwined into my own entrepreneurial pursuits as a way to kind of spread that opportunity to the community around me um, so that we can all live our life with no regrets, at least in the form of words, if not in, in the form of the choices we make in our professional or personal lives. I think you've hit the nail on the head because a lot of people think of living a life with no regrets as, oh, I should have gone skydiving or I should have taken dance lessons or I should have quit my job and started my own business or kind of all of these very tangible action things. But when you think of no regrets, it's like, well, what did you not say? What was left kind of incomplete in terms of communication or in terms of words? And that in and of itself is a different kind of regretting. And so the work that you do with treasure text is like, how can we prevent people from feeling like there was anything left unsaid? Totally. Yeah. I wonder if you can share some stories with us um, from people who have used treasure text and what the experience was like and what ultimately what their results were too. Cause I think we could all use some, some heartwarming right now. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's been really fun to to see some of some of the I, I, I think my I'd say my favorite scenarios have been um, it was actually at the beginning of the journey, which is not it was in May when I was first exploring this concept and I um, started with the Mother's Day launch. And so by sheer nature of Mother's Day, in my mind, I was like, you know, this is a cross-generational opportunity. I want to make sure it's through text forms. So you don't have to download an app. It's really easy. Um, and you know, most people have a smartphone or, or capabilities of text and it's a way for the 30 to 45 year old generation, let's call it engage with their parents who may be in like the boomer stage. And that was kind of like the start for mother's day of, let me see, you know, like people my age, um, I know I would love to do this for my mom. I did do it for my mother-in-law at the time. My mom was in India and now she's actually come back to America. Um, but I ended up launching it with a handful of, um, you know, similar minded people who wanted to connect with their parents over um, the early stages of this pandemic. And um, what was really amazing to me in these early product market validation stages was just the sheer joy of um, some of these women who were getting these treasure texts from their sons and their daughters and you know, in some cases, son-in-laws and, um, and just the reactions of pure, oh, like some of the quotes were things along the nature of, um, actually, this is my favorite quote was this, uh, one woman who, who was a widow and she said, my goodness, people wait until you die, um, to say these things at your service. And how lucky am I that my kids are telling me all of this while I'm still alive, um, I love my kids so much. I'm so thankful for you. And I, I'm watching, I mean, this is not a verbatim quote, but the spirit of it just moved me in the sense of this is meaningful. This is why I want to do this. Um, I, 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 I strongly believe that, that our life is only as beautiful as the people in it. And frankly, it's like seeing a flower that's half bloomed when you don't actually communicate and connect with those around you in a way that that helps you both grow and feel loved and fulfilled. And so what I was really inspired by was Treasure Text was such a simple concept, and it is such a simple concept, yet it's unlocking this dialogue and this engagement. And the hope is that, well, it may last, you know, let's say a month, 
But after that month, you've now engaged in a dialogue that hopefully creates these new seeds of growth and opportunity to take you and your loved ones to the next level. And I think that there's you know, several stories like that through Mother's Day, then through Father's Day, which is such a different dynamic because by sheer nature of personality type and sometimes there's like gender stereotypes associated with it. But like so much fun to see some of, you know, some of the products are in trivia form and some of them are, are more like in a, you know, a classic um, what we call like a, a daily treasure text of meaningful messages. And the the dynamics ultimately just lead to this closeness and this richness um, of maybe unspoken words or just laughter and connectivity in a virtual form that is through written word and now through written through pictures. And I think all of those are elements of nostalgia that are heartwarming in the sense of moving people, but also there's something so powerful about going back in time and celebrating and reminiscing with your adult children who often you think may, may or may not remember or may or may not have the time to reflect on it. And I think that has just been so moving for me to, to be a part of and, and to be a small teeny factor in potentially helping families and, and loved ones reconnect and, and strengthen those ties. I love what you said about this widow who said, you know, normally you hear things like this when somebody dies, like you have to wait for a death, for a casket, for a service, for a memorial, for these kinds of words to fall out of people's mouths. And listeners of this show know that my all-time favorite TV show is The Golden Girls. And there's an episode where the oldest character on the show, Sophia Petrello, decides to throw her own wake before she dies so that people (laughs) show up and they say nice things about her and they have the punch and the hors d'oeuvres and all the other things. And then, of course, there's this large snafu of they send out the invites, but they forget to tell people that she's not actually dead. And so they come up and they come in and then they tell her how PO'd they are that they had to show up at her wake when she wasn't actually dead. So it turned into this whole snafu. But it, it's it's this similar idea of like, I I want to know how people feel about me before I die. And there's some some human validation in that, too, as the recipient of treasure texts that my life matters. I've done some great things while I've been here. There are people who surround me that love me. And I think, um, especially right now in the midst of a global pandemic and for everybody listening who's grieving, receiving a message like that when you are feeling isolated and you're feeling alone, when you're feeling purposeless or hopeless is really, really powerful. And so I think in grief, so often we look for ways to help others because it helps us feel better about ourselves. And so when you give kindness, it multiplies. But then also to be the recipient of a kindness like this too is intensely, intensely powerful. Oh, it for sure is. Um, The irony is when I started on this journey, it, it started, as I mentioned, with like Mother's Day and Father's Day and celebratory moments. But as I went through it, I or as I started to explore occasions, I... I was re-inspired, not only had my dad inspired me to kind of continue to go on this journey of pursuing my entrepreneurial passions at every chapter of my life, but the grief journey that I went through was so isolating, um, both during and after in different ways. Um, and I, act, I had a, a really close friend of mine from business school, um, this is back in 2016, do a version of this just out of the kindness and and beauty of her heart, which was essentially, she took pictures of me, of us and of me and my dad and ones that I had posted up probably on social media over the years. And she printed it out and put it in a card and sent me written notes for about eight weeks, 
one every week or every two weeks so that I was continuing to get messages of support and love and like captions of these photos. And it was when all the noise had stopped, which is, you know, a big part of what what we we as grievers realize the grieving community or the peers of the grieving community need to do more of it, which is support. I was receiving all the support when when everything else had kind of stopped. And I will forever treasure her and that experience. And the irony is, here I am doing this. And she was actually one of my first customers. And it was just, you know, it's a, it's a really powerful gesture. And it happens to be in text now because that's now the, the latest medium. But the spirit is kind of something we all should think about of how, how can we embody this and how can we be there for the ones we love. And when, you're, when it's hard, when it's dark, that's when your friends matter the most. That's when your loved ones matter the most because it's really, it's, it's not, it's always fun to celebrate in happy times. It's who's going to be there by your side when it's not so happy and it's, it's really tough. And this reminds me too of the fact that there are a lot of practitioners that listen to this podcast too. I'm thinking grief counselors, Reiki workers, funeral home professionals. This is kind of one of those things that you can hand to people who say, I don't know how to respond to the death of my friend's husband or to the death of my coworker's child or to um, a sudden divorce that nobody expected. I don't know what to do. And you're like, here's something to do that's relatively low cost and provides them with these ways of saying over the course of a week or a month that like, here's how much you mean to me. Here's how much I personally care about you. And even though this is a lonely and solitary time and nobody else can understand what you're experiencing right now, this, you are not alone in having this experience or like you're not alone in the dark. Like somebody else is very aware that this is happening in your life. And for lack of better phrasing, like gives a shit about what happens to you and, and the state of your heart. And I love that you mentioned even at the beginning of our interview, you're like, we're a society that doesn't really talk about feelings. (laughs) Our main question always is how are you instead of how are you feeling? And so how are you is like a status report. How are you feeling is like a real introspection to like, what is the, what is the state of your heart? Where are you at emotionally mm-hmm. right now? And so something like treasure text is like a tilting into that introspection is like, no, but really what's going on with you? Because I care about the answer that you're about to give me. Um, I kind of want to go back and revisit your relationship with your dad, especially as it relates to your being Hindu and the belief in reincarnation, because you spoke about how his communication here in the mortal world changed. But I wonder how communication with him has continued and kind of what your grief looks like now. Yeah, I mean, it, so well, I, I, yeah, so I'm I'm Hindu by background and by religion. I wouldn't say that I'm I necessarily grew up being the most religious. You know, we really believed in God and we believed in Hinduism, but I wasn't necessarily um, you know, like constantly going to the temple necessarily and things of that nature. But what what really inspired me in a way that I will never forget and um frankly probably changed my perception of just the power of our religion is was his funeral procession. So in Hinduism the belief is usually that the eldest son um, leads the the funeral processions um, and carries essentially helps you uh, helps the soul leave the body and and you know move on to to the heavens and to their next life. And I um, was privileged enough to have the opportunity to to lead that process for my dad. 
And at the time, my parents had moved, you know, they've been in America for about 40 plus years, but with the sickness and the progression, they ultimately moved back to Bombay. Um, and he passed away in Bombay. And that's where um, we ended up doing all of the funeral processions. And I, so I say that to say, like, my first, you know, as an Indian American, it was my first time going through something that powerful in India and doing it with the priest there. And and going through every step of it. And it was just mind blowing for me in terms of, of what I learned in regards to how you take the soul and um, connect him back with his ancestors. And I think my favorite moment was as I w- was understanding the process in real time, it was this opportunity to almost create, you know, take a, a handful of meaningful ingredients um, and bundle them into three different balls. And there is, I distinctly remember this moment where they said, okay, you're going to pack this into a little ball. And this is, this represents your father. You're going to put it on the side. Then you're going to pack the second one. And this represents your grandfather. You're going to put it right behind him. And then here's your third one. And you're going to pack this and you're going to put it behind that. And this is your great grandfather. And essentially what you're doing right now is you're, you are releasing your father's soul to his father and his great grandfather. And he is joining the family and so it, it was almost this like handoff of, don't worry, dad, we'll be okay here. Now you go and reconnect and rejoice with like all those stories you told me about my grandpa. And like that in and of itself was so powerful because I think in part it gave me some relief of where are you now? And in another part, it was like, oh, you know, I have something to look forward to too one day. <laughs> Um, and then the other part to it was, I, I think that was like, there were so many aspects to that whole journey where I was just like, okay, he's, you know, nobody really knows in truth where he might be, but I believe that he's there. He's watching over me, whether he's reincarnated into a new life or not. I really believe that he is, you know, there for me and he shows up in my dreams all the time. Um, I sometimes like crazy things happen and I'm just kind of like, oh, I have to believe that he had something to do with it. And again, this is all, this is all just perhaps one could, one could poke holes at that and say, that's your hope. That's your love. That's all manifested in this. If like they're coming from a practical point of view, but I guess for me, I truly believe um, that, that there is this greater purpose and we have this time that we know of for, for, for fact and science, at least when we're here on earth. Um, but, but our souls are, are, you know, in Hinduism, we believe they're actually, you're jumping from one life to the next. And there's a belief that there's high possibility that you end up with some of the same souls from your previous lives. So even when I look at my daughter, who is now eight, but she was three when all this stuff was like kind of kicking into high gear. And she's probably, she was my greatest source of strength. And the one who like, which is crazy to say that a three-year-old is able to do this, but she would basically calm me down right before we'd take these trips and have these intense moments and like the later stages of my dad's sickness that like, I can't imagine comes from this lifetime. Like I truly can't imagine. I, I feel like we must have been connected in some other life form. And so it's, I think that kind of gets to the same kind of spirit and tie that I feel like I have with my dad. And I don't know. I mean, who knows in fact what all that is, but I, I feel very settled and happy and comforted in the fact that 
I was lucky and grateful enough to have as rich of a relationship as we did in the in the time we did overlap. And I'm very excited for what that might manifest into in our one of our next lives. I think that's so beautiful because it generates some kind of hope. Um, for as much as I think that religions across the world can be stifling and restrictive, especially when it comes to death, though, they can also be these doorways to there is more beyond this. Or even in the case of your dad, with these generations going past your your grandfather, your great-grandfather, someone was there to receive him. And this idea of there is there is a safe place and I'm not just, you know, sending off my father into some great beyond where I don't know what <laughs> lies ahead for him. It's like right. there's souls and spirits there that I'm familiar with through stories or through even knowing them in person that were there to caretake on his behalf. And there's also this kind of scavenger hunt of getting to look for him again in however he yeah. should, whether it's through your daughter or um, through other people or other um, energies in the human, the mortal world also. And so I just, I think that's really lovely, that ritual of, of forming these balls of ingredients. I've never heard that before. And I think that's this really lovely picture of yeah, receiving is the word that keeps coming to me over and over again. His soul has been received. Like, yes, I'll get an email back of like, your message has been confirmed. Like, <laughs> like to an email service and you like send a message out into the universe. It's like, nothing gives me more um, of a decrease in anxiety than when I send an email to somebody and I get an email back that says, thank you, your message has been received. Because I know for <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? There's some kind of security or some kind of... Um, you get to take a deep breath when that happens. You're like, okay, somebody's eyeballs are on this. It's being taken care of. Um, and that's really lovely. And I hesitate to compare that to <laughs> no, I, 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 Hindu, but it's like, yes, there's some kind of, it's in good hands. Somebody's going to see it. Somebody is in charge of this and it matters. But you know, it's interesting you say that because I, 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 I feel you. I, I kind of feel the same way. And I just, this past, what was it? Monday was my 39th birthday. And I woke up, you know, usually birthdays are a little tricky for me because I'm like, well, birthday, like I'm a, I was born because of my mother and my father. And now I got 50% of that like gratitude to give to my mom and my dad. I, you know, I'm just so grateful for this, you know, blessed life that I've been given by them. And I woke up at 5.09 AM, which is not actually, I don't usually wake up that early to thunder when frankly, when it's thundering or raining, I actually usually sleep more soundly. I go deeper and I jump up and I go, thanks dad. It, like it was the strangest thing. And then all of a sudden I sit, I lie back and it starts to rain. And like the, I hear the rain just go like, you know, the, the drops on the windows. And I, I literally like smiled and like went back to sleep and I truly in that moment was like, that was like a belly laugh. Happy birthday, Mana, um, with the thunder. And then like showers of love. Like, and I know that like, it was just such a, it was like such a, I, I don't know. It felt in that moment, like a little bit like an outer body experience. And then my day was just such a beautiful day because I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't grieving. I wasn't sad. I was so excited for this year and the next decade. And it was just, perfect you know and I mean to me that that is the email response <laughs> that's like message received or mm -hmm. whatever that is some kind of transmission between something it just felt really really wonderful 
I think that's such a beautiful story and way to kind of transition people into how exactly do treasure texts work? If I were to make one right now, how would that work? And then where can people find treasure texts to send to loved ones or to share with people to say, hey, send one of these to me? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So treasure texts is, so it's um, www.treasuretext.com. And uh, essentially what you do is you get on the site, you decide on the occasion that you're choosing. Um, You choose if it's an individual gift or a group gift. And um, from there, you go through the checkout process and you decide if it's for a week or a month. And then ultimately, you go through the checkout process, provide any details on that recipient that you want to want to highlight to make it even more customized in terms of whether it be personality type or um, things not to you know question or things to or anything you know nuanced to that relationship or that person. And then you'll receive a text message with a link that's personalized to you. Um, and that essentially is a series of questions that um, are catered to that gift recipient from you. And your, if it's a group gift, then you would copy paste that text to them as well. And then it, it's, it, if it's a month long um, gift and it's just you, then it'll probably take 10 to 15 minutes to complete. Otherwise, it usually takes about three to five minutes. And at the end of that, you're all set. And then for the course of the duration of the gift you chose, that person and all of you receive these text messages. And if it's from a group, then there's an anonymity piece of it too, which creates a little bit of a trivia fun. Um, And essentially it's a way to, you know, again, celebrate, uplift, support your favorite people and do it in either a fun way or a loving way or whatever those tonalities are based on the product that you chose. I think this is just so much fun. And even with the group text element, there's like a guess who it's like, who wrote that? Who sent that about me? (laughs) (laughs) And so there's fun trying to get to the bottom of who really feels that way about me or who put a fart joke in here or who, (laughs) who's Uh trying to to make this such a clever experience too. Um, And I love this as something to send, but I also, and I think this is something that people will rarely touch on. I also love it as the idea to receive. So people are like, is there anything I can do for you? It's like, yeah, fill one of these out and send it you know, over the holiday season, over the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas, or send it on the week of my husband's death anniversary, or Mm -hmm. send it on my child's birthday, because they're no longer here this year. And so to be able to kind of have these love notes in advance and kind of packed and ready to go is, gosh, it's such a neat way to remind somebody, yeah, that you're still there, that you care, that you want to celebrate with them, but that you also want to support them and that their life means something to you. And I think that's one of the most powerful things we can communicate as human beings. I love that. I'm glad that you're such a supporter. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited. And I know I get to try this out in a little bit too. So I'm really excited to do so and report back to my group of grief growers on how it went. Um, I have a very dear friend who has a birthday coming up. So I think I'll be using this for her. Um, But Mona, thank you so much for joining us on coming back today and for creating treasure texts out of the dual part one, part two journey that was the loss of your dad. Oh, thank you, Shelby. This was really wonderful to talk through it and share my story. And um, I just love what you're doing. I think there are so many people that can use the support that you're giving. And I wish that I had, you know, come across you, especially in those harder times. So I think it's beautiful and, and keep up the great work. Thank you so much. And grief growers, consider this transmission received. <laughs> <laughs> So that's all for this episode of Coming Back. 
Thank you so much to Manapat Sangvi for joining us to talk about the death of her father and how delivering communications inspired her to create treasure texts so that others can share their unspoken gratitudes with the people they love. Mana came back by asking herself, how can I live a life with no regrets, and by being willing to receive messages and transmissions from her father. You can find out more about Treasure Texts and start sending some of your own at treasuretexts.com, and you can find that link in the show notes. You can find my new book, Your Grief, Your Way, 366 Days of Comfort and Practical Exercises After the Death of a Loved One, now wherever you buy books. And be sure to stay tuned after the credits for an excerpt from the book. If you'd like to get online grief support for just $3 a month, pledge to support this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash You'll instantly unlock access to weekly grief guidance prompts and monthly live calls with me. Our next grief support call is happening Monday, October 26th at 5 p.m. Pacific. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to Coming Back on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and tell a friend about Coming Back, because you never know what someone you love is going through. Thank you to Addie Goldstein, who composed our theme music. You can find me on Facebook at Shelby Forsythia Intuitive Grief Guide, Instagram at Shelby Forsythia, or simply shelbyforsythia.com. If you'd like to leave a question or comment for a future show, email me at shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. As always, my dear grief growers, it was beautiful sharing this space and time with you today. I see you, I'm proud of you and the work that you're doing in the world, and I love you. Because even through grief, we are growing. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Coming Back. Now, check out the October 1st entry from my new daily grief book, Your Grief, Your Way. October 1st. The belief that a person can and should only feel grief over one sad event at a time is a truly disturbing estimate of our emotional capacity. Jennifer Armentrout. It comes as a shock to some grievers that they can feel more than one emotion at once. Whether they've never had an experience as complicated or as layered as grief, or they simply didn't believe it was possible, they quickly learn that emotions can come in pairs, triplets, or even a tsunami. Those who have already felt more than one emotion at once know what it's like to swing wildly between an onslaught of emotions. Take comfort in the knowledge that you and your emotions are layered, just like your grief. It's okay. In fact, it's downright human to feel more than one emotion at a time. If this entry resonated with you and your grief, you can purchase Your Grief Your Way now wherever you buy books, including Amazon, IndieBound, Barnes & Noble, and your favorite local bookstore. See you next week on Coming Back.